Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches, and after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others while they do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including and especially the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path podcast. Today, I'm talking about what it's like to live without my daughter, Alexis. Her 27th birthday is tomorrow. Here's what's it like. On the heels of an ambitious post last week, touting the need for us to own our healing 100%, linked in the post, I am inspired to do some healing of my own. I've shared that I rarely experience anger. <laughs> There's a post about that that's also linked. Uh, but not today. Today I'm angry. And I want to talk about what it's like to live without my daughter. Many of the posts I share are created with the specific intention of somehow helping others. I relate my experiences of grief to everyday situations and offer solutions and concepts that I've found empowering along my own healing journey. Keeping these things to myself is a waste, and writing has provided a great conduit to connect with a whole community of people seeking harmony and healing in the face of different kinds of loss. But today, I'm not writing for anyone else. I'm writing for myself. No bullshit. Quote, what's it like living without your daughter? I mean, question mark, unquote. I'd like to reference an actual conversation related to the above quote, if one existed. But this is not a question I've often heard in the nearly 26 years since her death in 1997. Alexis Layton McFarland was born on August 10th, 1996, and died 13 months and five days later from complex complications of genetic factors and aplastic anemia. She drew her final breath in my arms after sending one final focused look into my eyes on a dark Monday night in Montgomery County, Maryland. Her death 
on September 15, 1997, has left me befuddled and confounded for every moment since that last breath that we released together. I say befuddled because I never lose the shock value of living life without her. After carrying this tiny, perfect creature in my body and holding her in my arms for 13 months and five days, I'm still confused as to her whereabouts. I know she died, but still, she's coming back, right? Quote, this is what it's like, colon, unquote. Have you ever been in love? Ever meet someone new and for every day after you just kept learning new things about them that you wanted to know more about? (laughs) Do you remember feeling like you were discovering the best person ever? Did you hope it would never end and you would always get to make these new discoveries? Did you look forward to the ongoing unfoldment of your relationship? Perfect. Now that you're there, flip all of that on its head. And that's what it's like to live without my daughter. Every day since Alexis died, I keep discovering new ways to miss her. I didn't just lose a baby girl. I lost my daughter and the life I so dreamt of spending with her. In the early years after her death, my losses were blatant and they were everywhere. We had a house full of baby girl things and no baby girl. Clothes, toys, baby smells, and sounds all made my insides clench up as if I were a tightened fist with no circulation and white knuckles. I couldn't seem to get away from all of the triggers. But over time... I learned to duck and weave my way along. I figured when I had more children, my intense longing for Alexis would be mitigated. Ha. As years have passed, my recognition of new quote-unquote losses I would not ever felt before have been fewer, but they've also been more poignant. They hang around in the background Like, they're waiting to see if I'll muster up the courage to pay them any of my attention. The passage of time has surely impacted the way these losses make themselves known in my daily life. Early on, my heart may have been triggered, for example, by an obvious reminder, such as a pregnant woman. I'd see her, and I'd remember what it was like to carry Alexis. I might have wept for the innocence that I lost when the unthinkable happened and I had to bury her body. Depending on the day, I might have had to cancel whatever plans I had and or get back into bed. However, over time, as I said, and in recent years, the grief triggers are more subtle and also more cutting. For example... I might notice the timeless look 
between a mother and a daughter during a moment of shared pride, loss, or even love. Or I see an adoring glance from a young woman toward her own mom when she's not looking. These observations are triggers and they're experiences. They can't be locked up in a drawer like baby clothes can. And most days, I can integrate them in a way that I think I can live with. But some days, I want to tear everything to shreds and just pass out atop that pile that is the mess that I've made. I imagine I would sleep like a princess and the pea. Maybe I would wake up and find out it was all just a bad dream. Quote, what's it like living without your daughter, I mean, unquote. Living without Alexis is profoundly sad and complex. The pain does not relent. Her absence doesn't stop finding new ways to say hello. And as her 27th birthday approaches this week, I realize I have lived with the grief of her death for as long as I ever lived without it. I was 27 when she died. And as I approach 54 in January, perhaps and most hopefully, I will continue to find the courage to speak openly about this unspeakable experience. I can't see any other way to make use of the pain, but as building blocks for connection with others. Becoming a pediatric ICU nurse didn't do it for me. Neither did running a nurse consulting practice or climbing the corporate leadership ladder. None of it matters. If we can't show up as ourselves and stand together in our truths as excruciating or ecstatic as they may be, well, we might as well do what we want and just stay in bed all day. With Netflix and bed snacks, of course. And I'm wishing my beautiful Alexis a very happy 27th birthday. So thanks again for joining this episode of the Healing Path podcast. And I'm talking about my daughter, Alexis, and some of the experiences I've had since her her birth and her death, um, birth in 1996, died in 1997. And I'm only just now in the last, you know, handful of years finding my voice as far as sharing my experience. And it's interesting because as I look back to a year ago, I was posting um, something about her birthday and I shared an image. It was a hard decision for me. I, I labored over it. And just the vulnerability piece of, if you go back and look a year ago at lisamcfarland.com on the blog, you'll see um, that post and you'll see the image. And it, it's just such a scary thing for me to kind of put it out there. And as I sit here and read this blog into the podcast, and now I'm just speaking freely um, about the experience, it's just the growth is, it's sort of 
unbelievable. And I hope, you know, in sharing it and recognizing it, that it encourages others because it really does speak to um, how we can empower ourselves to integrate our losses and our tragedies um, into our lives and weave them in a way that we can live with them and that they don't have to be the whole of who we are and they don't have to live under the surface ready to come out and ambush us, you know, at any moment the way that it used to happen to me. So going back to this post, um, yeah, interesting. What's it like to live without your daughter? And I may have gotten this question before, but in my experience, it's just not on my radar. So if you have asked me that, I thank you. Um, but I don't ever remember being able to answer in a way um, even to myself, you know, kind of what's it like? And I think it's very hard to describe an absence of something um, because everyone can understand that when we lose someone we love, particularly someone who's our child or someone we're close to, that it literally does, it's it's a loss. We use words like loss or absence or missing, um, but it's... <laughs> It's hard to describe what we're actually missing. So my hope was when I had this idea about, you know, what's the opposite of feeling despair and despondent and depressed and um, hopeless and like there's nothing, you know, that can ever change such a terrible and, and saddened and melancholy place to be emotionally What's the opposite of that? And I instantly thought of my partner and I instantly thought about just falling in love, particularly new love. Um, is it, isn't it like an exciting ride? Because every time you get together, you learn something new about that person and you look forward to learning more. And it's like, wow, can all this, you know, actually be true? And if so, am I really meeting, you know, somebody that I, that I don't want to be without. So I was trying to take, instead of explaining what the loss is like, to take something that we can all relate to. And maybe it's not even in, in love with another human. Maybe it's in love, you know, the feeling of being in love with nature or being in love with a goal that you've set that you're pursuing or, a, you know, a cause or a foundation or, you know, being in love with writing or creating or building or designing any of these things where I'm going with the experience is it's the love that's absent. It's the excitement, the curiosity, the inspiration, the hopeful expectation, the dreams that we have when we decide to become the best parents that we can be. And whatever that means in our unique situations, I do believe that when that little life comes into the world, it is our intention to do right by them. And from the time that that love, that that seed of love bursts forth into our lives, it's part of us. So it's hard to explain what's missing. <laughs> and it's easier to try to connect with an experience that you can relate to and then say, okay, take all of that and think of what the opposite would be like. That's what it's like. So the optimist in me can't resist <laughs> sharing just some positive thoughts about this, because when I'm saying the pain doesn't relent, 
I'm not saying that there aren't different degrees of impact that the loss has, but what I am saying is it's very hard to describe what's not here. So when we think about love in any capacity and what that feels like, every cell in our body seems to be in harmony and everything is just flowing and um, we don't we don't feel the resistance of the world in the same way when we're in love, when we're around love, when we're being love. So I I would be interested in any feedback around, does this help describe a loss that you've had or what are the ways that we can, you know, also find a way to, to just share what it, what it's like to live? Because the truth is in sharing it, we also help people around us because at some point, odds are good that they're going to lose someone that they love in a lifetime. So why keep this stuff to ourselves? I feel like not sharing it um, not only isolates, isolates us further, but we miss out on this kind of building connection blocks with one another, which is another thing that I wanted to circle back to because I don't, I don't know what else to do with these big, huge blocks of pain, but to try to build that healing path, pave that healing path, and part of that healing path is connecting with others because otherwise they're just sitting in a pile and they're for nothing. So the love and the pain, all for nothing. If I can't give it a life, if I can't somehow tell just at least one other person what my experience is. And I encourage you to do the same. I invite you to do the same, even if it's not in a public forum like a podcast. Talk to someone, talk to anyone that is worthy of your truth. And don't carry it around. It's so heavy. So coming back, what's it like? It's heavy. It's challenging. It's profoundly sad. And also, it's my daughter. So I love it as much as I have a moment-to-moment awareness that she's not here with me. I just want to share um, one thing, additional thing as we close here, which is um, I recently had the distinct pleasure of meeting someone um where grief wasn't necessarily our connection. And in a very short period of time, this person was several years my senior. And in a very short period of time, we were able to uncover that we had both lost two children. And the sadness that she shared, I could instantly relate to. And it it just resonated, the look, her eyes, her tone, everything. And I want to say that this gave me encouragement instead of discouragement. And this is what I want to kind of close with is, to me, I feel like I was misled in my own expectation that somehow, someway, having lost Alexis at 27, when I was 27, Somehow, some way, it was going to get better, or I was going to feel better, or it wasn't going to hurt so much. And it wasn't until, you know, I spent 20 or 25 years 
truly believing that and doing all the things I thought would actually create a better experience for me. In other words, something that would relieve some of the longing and the, and the pain of not having her in my life every day. I would have almost preferred someone had said to me, hey, this sucks. This is always going to suck. And it's never going to not suck. But there will be miracles that come out of it that you can't see right now. And it doesn't have to be your whole life. Those things, um, I again, may have been said to me, but I didn't hear them in the way that I understand them now. So when I'm going back to meeting this lovely woman and talking about her losses as well as mine, what I noticed was we could both agree that this terrible loss and these terrible um, experiences in our broken hearts for our children who have died many, in her case, maybe five or so decades ago, more than that even. And for me, obviously, just two or two and a half decades ago. But we were able to connect on that level and in the same conversation, acknowledge, but God is good. And if you don't believe in God, if you don't, if you don't find yourself spiritual or religious, you might just say life is good. You don't have to call it any particular thing, but there have been there's been so much collateral beauty that has come out of um, the pain that I have felt without my girl that I can't not mention that. So for those of you who are in new pain, it may not be good news, but I'm just going to tell you flat out, as I said in the beginning, no bullshit. This sucks and it'll continue to suck, but it will not have to be your whole life. So be encouraged in knowing it's just part of you now. And the trick is, how do we use these painful blocks to build our healing path, to build our connection with one another so that we can still have great, fulfilling and um, meaningful, contributing, dynamic, vibrant lives because life is beautiful. So thanks again for joining. And of course, any feedback I would love to have at the website or um, emailing me directly info at lisamcfarland.com. And until we meet again, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. Have a great uh, weekend and rest of the summer. I'll be taking a couple weeks off, um, but we'll be back in September, ready to talk more about the healing path.